This episode of Heavy Cardboard is brought to you by BoardGameTables.com. Without question, Chad and his folks go the extra mile to ensure that not only are you getting an amazing quality board game table, but that the entire process is as smooth as a warm knife through butter. So if you're interested, considering, or in the market for a new centerpiece for your game room, head on over to BoardGameTables.com and customize your dream table. Ours will be here in just a few weeks. Can't wait. Oh, and, you know, mention Heavy Cardboard when you do. Heavy Cardboard, Episode 74, April Briefing. Coming to you from HCHQ, where we're kind of celebrating a bit tonight. Welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium and heavy strategy board games, war games, 18xx, and other related topics in the board gaming hobby. We're your hosts, I'm Edward. And I'm Amanda. Well, first off, happy birthday to my best friend and co-host, Amanda. Well, thank you. That was actually in between last episode and this mm-hmm. episode, so I guess I should have done it last episode. It's but, just fine. So, yeah, happy birthday. Thank you. I had quite a lovely day. We went to a breakfast place in Evergreen that's just amazing that I only allow myself to eat once a year on my Not birthday. Not the healthiest food, but no. oh my, is it tasty. No, it's so good. Just ask Matt and Dana. Yes, they went too. And then came home and uh, for a little bit. And then after that, I went some did a little bit of shopping. And of course, you know, my biggest expenditure was at Office Depot, which is not surprising to anyone. And then um, then we went and ate at a little Mexican street food place um, that Edward found in a shopping center in Denver. Everything's in Spanish first, as it should be. Correct. And every time that we have gone, and I do mean every time, we're the only gringos. Correct. Which always is a good sign yes, right and we actually had a guy there yes. ask us a I, I assume he was mexican he, yeah, was, he hispanic. was he was hispanic and he he ordered in spanish yeah and so he was like he looked at me because he and i were both at the uh, little salad bar that you can put toppings you know you mm-hmm. can put radish cabbage you know all the deliciousness yeah on top and he was like he looked at me and like with a little half smile <laughs> he's like how'd you hear about this place <laughs> I thought I thought that was uh, that was pretty cool. Yet, yeah, it's it's, it's kind funny. of our little hidden gem. Yep. Uh, that uh, El Trapatio. Trapatio Tacaria. It's uh, the name El Trapatio is a, a bullfighter. Bull a, a nickname right. for a bullfighter. Right. We figured that out after we asked Daughter Rachel if she who speaks fluent Spanish what that meant, and she was like, oh. oh. And then we turned around and there was a poster on the wall saying that that's who it was. And we were, oh. <laughs> yeah, amazing street tacos. Yeah. Seriously, if you're in Denver. Go it's, there. Yeah, yeah, definitely recommend it. So there you go. There, There's it, later on when we're doing the Ask the Elephant, What's what makes Denver special? Well, that's one that's of one the of things. Them. And then after dinner, we came home and played Brass Birmingham for my birthday game. Because how could we play anything but that for our prepare for our live stream on Saturday on Sunday? So, yeah, had a great day. Cool. All right. I mean, it. you got to do what it is you wanted to do, whatever right. the day was. I told you, you're not allowed to work, not right. allowed to touch the show, nothing <laughs> like that. You have to do 
your stuff. Yeah, it was nice. Good. I'm glad to hear it. So happy 27th birthday, Amanda. Or, you know, 10 more years than that. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) So we hit a couple milestones yesterday. Now Mm -hmm. I say yesterday because we're actually recording on Wednesday as opposed to Tuesday night. Life happens. First off, we hit 1,500 in the guild. So perfect time to do a a rather extensive Ask the Elephant Mm -hmm. on the back end of the show tonight. And we hit the latest milestone goal over on Patreon. So we recorded a video last night and we uploaded it to the YouTube channel if Mm -hmm. you guys want to go check that out. But basically, we're just really, really grateful to all our listeners, to all our viewers, and especially our patrons. Mm -hmm. Because without them, A, the show doesn't finally sound as good as it does. The live stream stuff isn't happening. And just the show isn't going anywhere compared to where it is now without all y'all listening. Whether or not you give to the Patreon is it's neither here nor there as as far as our gratitude and appreciation for all y'all. You know, I mean, it's nice, but you guys spreading the... If you can't do monetarily, spread the word. Tell a friend. Like... There's so many other ways that you can support us other than monetarily. Totally. Absolutely. So, I mean, and and that's not to sell short the publishers, designers, developers right. that that took a chance on us. And a lot of them are now friends. Yeah. I mean, granted, they know we're still going to hammer them when, when, mm-hmm. when, it, when it calls for it. But at the same time, they also know that we're going to be fair, uh, fair, honest, and thorough. Those are the three things that we promise yep. in our reviews. And to date. I feel like that's exactly what we've been mm-hmm. doing. So mission accomplished. We're serving them. We're serving y'all. We're serving ourselves in a sense that, I mean, let's face it, it's kind of fun. Right. right. If it wasn't, we wouldn't do exactly. this. Right. So all that said, while we're extremely grateful and very excited about this milestone that we hit, I'm as excited about today as I am yesterday and what's coming tomorrow because I'm word and upward. I'm not one to, I don't know, rest on my laurels, I guess. Savor. Yeah. I mean, don't, that's what yesterday was for. That was awesome. Woohoo. All mm-hmm. right. Now, next. So, <laughs> now that said, ultimately, I mean, I don't think it's a secret that I, I definitely have a goal of being a full time heavy cardboard producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's still a lot of stuff, a lot of high quality, unique content that you and I have come up with and that. Folks have, mm-hmm. have offered up ideas and suggestions on stuff that we can we can do. All we do is lack time. So I'm, yeah. I'm super excited about that. So while that's the ultimate goal, there there's other interim goals mm-hmm. in between then and or now and then, uh, whenever that comes to be, if that comes to be. So just, just super excited about both where we've been, where we are, and, you know, where we're going. Yes. So looking forward to it. Speaking of that time thing, though, I mentioned last week, you know, the issues about, you know, going to conventions and just just how much I let's be honest, how much I really hate my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I put in for a 30 day leave of absence uh, and assuming it's going to be approved. I'm, I'm going to use that time kind of as a this is what it can be like. And this is what y'all listeners, viewers Everyone else, well, I guess, no, that pretty much covers mm-hmm. it, listeners and viewers, right? Yeah. Going to use that time to pump out content and and kind of see what all is possible mm-hmm. in a realistic thing. So I'm super excited for it, plus to just be able to focus on, okay, let's let's do this, whatever this is. I'm, I'm just really excited about it. Yeah. 
it's going to be it's going to be really good because I, I remember a few weeks ago you took like for three days off I think and that's all you did and you were so happy and Brian at game day said <laughs> this that is, this is so sad that we should all pool our money together to pay Edward's salary just so he can stay home and be in this good of a mood all the time. Uh, I I just hate my job. But anyway, <laughs> moving on, moving on, moving on. So we did a few live streams recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, y'all may have heard that we do those. Possibly. Uh, TKR 2.0, so the second edition of mm-hmm. Three Kingdoms Redux from Capstone. That was, that was really cool and a very sentimental yeah, definitely. You know, moment for me, uh, Yowster and Christina, the designers and original publishers from mm-hmm. Starting Player, they were in the chat as well as Clay. Yeah, it was, that was really cool. It was cool to just have them kind of be a part of the celebration of, of their game getting mm-hmm. republished mm-hmm. and getting out to a wider audience, which I couldn't be happier for. So they were the first uh, publishers to ever send us a review copy. Yes, they were. And yeah, just... Sentimental favorite of ours. Plus, this just in: the game kicks ass. Yeah, it does. It's a an amazing three player mm-hmm. game. Yes. So yeah, definitely was excited to do that, and that was that was just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And of course, we had we've recently done the two new upcoming versions of Brass from Roxley Games, as well as the original Brass. So there, there there's been a brass full of brass. There sure has been. Yes, in my what have you been playing area? It's all of the brass. <laughs> all of the brass, mm-hmm. all of the time. Yes. And speaking of brass, Birmingham, we did a monster live playthrough on Sunday. We had about 200 people or so watching live, and they were being very chatty in the chat room, and that was really fun to watch. It just was like scrolling really quick. But you absolutely murdered the teach of that game. Like, killed it. Dead. D-E-D. Dead. I appreciate that. I, I, I definitely felt prepared. I feel like it went smoothly. and mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And it really it was. was. Cool. It was cool seeing all the interaction mm-hmm. and just having fun and, with everybody. And, and Vital Lacerda and one of the designers of Birmingham, like, going at it in the chat room. Not going well, at Vital, it. Well, Vital kind of was, well, yeah, they a little were, bit. Well, Brass is his favorite game of all time. And you so, could tell. So he's a little possessive of it. And the fact that they took out the... The rule that once the deck runs out in the second half uh, during the rail phase, you can take loans, mm-hmm. whereas in the original you can't. And Vital was none too no. none too thrilled. He about was not. That. So, and he wanted pros and cons and so, reasons why. Yeah. And... So watching him and Matt Tolman while we're playing the game, yes. talking about <laughs> it, that was that was a fun uh, kind of a surreal moment. I bit. was like, wow, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that went really well. It was a lot of fun. Everybody seemed to enjoy it, mm-hmm. and it helped put eyes on the game. And so there were a lot of people that were like, "What makes this different than the original Brass?" And hopefully, we were able to highlight that. So, so that 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 was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah for it really sure. Was. Heavy cons two weeks away mm-hmm. from well, essentially right now. Now I say right now we're recording on Wednesday. On Thursday is when it officially starts, May twenty fifth. However. We have teamed up with our buddy Adrian from Mile High Game Guys podcast, mm-hmm. who he hosts, or I guess all those guys, it's mostly Adrian, I think. They host a weekly game night at various local breweries uh, here in town. And since there's like 300 of them, <laughs> he has his choice. He's locked down one of them for us to do kind of a, like a, almost like a pre con, pre flight. Right. Hey, go mingle, yeah, meet be people, fun. that type thing. So really looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. But mm-hmm. on the same same side of 
or opposite. What I'm trying to say is I'm nervous yeah. <laughs> about it. But that said, everything that can be done leading up to that point is pretty much done. We're just waiting on T-shirts. We're waiting on some other stuff to actually come in. But there's really not a whole lot of work left to do between now and I would say like the Monday of that week. So it's just anxiety of are people going to like it? Are they right. going to have fun? You know, that type mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just, I'm really looking forward to it this year more than I have in the past. Like, really? Yeah. To being able to see so many of our friends that we only get to see once or twice a year and playing games with them and just hanging out, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very excited. I am too. And I know there's probably people like, great. Yeah. Look at you. You get to go. Well, it's not really hard to get in. And I actually, somebody asks, how do you get into HeavyCon? And we'll answer that later on in the show. Mm-hmm. Note, not hard. Yep. As some of you may know, because it was on Twitter, um, I divulge that I suffer from a mental illness called borderline personality disorder. The disorder can be quite serious and it manifests itself in different ways. Um, And in my post, I had an infographic that kind of summed up how I feel the majority of the time. Uh, You should should link to that. I will. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, I'm getting help and I'm better than I was and I will continue to get better. And I wanted to let everybody know about it because... I really wanted to make sure that other mentally ill people know that they're not alone and we're all in this together. And I've received nothing but support after I talked about it, which feels really amazing and really great. And I've even had a couple people say, hey, thank you for saying this. I think it's important that people, there shouldn't be a stigma attached to it. There really shouldn't, and there is, and it's so sad. It really is. And don't, don't get us wrong. I mean, Amanda jokes about her own oh i do yeah and she has a co-worker (laughs) that when she when she kind of announced it i i don't don't like saying yeah i didn't want to say i didn't i divulged i didn't i think i didn't know how to say it but yeah yeah, that's just i mean i just said it yeah and so when she did one of her co-workers was like um we always knew you were kind of sick in the head anyway And she meant that in the most loving, sweetest yeah. kind of way. We're like you know. we're like sisters that bug each other all the yeah. time. Yeah, I mean it's like 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 me and Paul Chad. Paul Chad busts my scrotum yes. all the time, but he takes as good as he gives, mm-hmm. and it's his way of saying, "Hey, bro, love you." Yeah, exactly. And it's yeah. So so moral of the story is, it's just it's just something that is. It's not something you chose, and no. it's something that. We deal with on a daily basis, but it's not like it keeps you from enjoying life. Not always. It does sometimes, but not always. Fair enough. And yeah, I think it's important that people, I don't know, just understand that they don't have to handle you or anybody else that does with kid gloves. not at all. Treat you like normal, right? I'm a normal person. I just happen to have a little bit of something wrong in the nugget, and that's that's really all it is. Yep, you and Milty. Yeah, Milty is... (laughs) BPD manifests itself in me mostly by me having an inner monologue that tells me that I'm terrible all the time, and I've named him Milty, and in my head, he looks like the little old man from Up because I've tried to make him as little and as you know, funny, terrifying, as funny as possible. So my, me and my melty. So yeah, I, I, uh, on a fairly regular basis and am telling melty to go to hell and be like, you know what? She's amazing. She's awesome. She has so many good things about her. You know what? You can go, you can go to hell melty. So (laughs) sometimes it works and sometimes, you know, maybe not so much, but 
I don't know. It's I, I I'm excited for you to be able to have the the courage and the strength to be able to, you know, just put it out there yeah. and just tell people, look, this is me. And you know what? I'm no different than Mm-mm. we all have our own demons. Some are just little old men from up. Yes. Apparently. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Thank you. All of the ways to contact us are on the website, heavycardboard.com, and we rely on the generous support from our patrons over on Patreon. If you'd like to join the community, which includes our Slack channel, Mm -hmm. check us out over on patreon.com forward slash heavycardboard. Our friends, Carmen and Elaine over at Game Surplus, just got in some really exciting restocks recently. 1754 Conquest, the French Indian War by Academy Games. More on that in a little bit. 2013 Golden Elephant Award winner, Madeira, by What's Your Game? Great Western Trail, restocked from Stronghold Games. And a couple of the Exit the Game games. These are kind of escape rooms in a box that I've heard really good things about. And I want to pick one of these up and give it a go. Uh, The two that they got in are the Pharaoh's Tomb and the Secret Lab, so let me ask you, hmm. which of those two sounds best to you, Amanda? The Pharaoh's Tomb, because I am obsessed with Egyptian lore and history. So that would be fun. All right. Sounds like uh, sounds like we're going to have to pick that one All up. All right. Eh? So go check them out, along with hundreds of other titles, over at Gamesurplus.com, where they're bringing the world of board games to you, and mention Heavy Cardboard when you do. All right, so we have a contest to, I guess, resolve, I guess is the way to put it. Sure. Uh, We ran a contest back in episode 72 during our review of Scythe for the Scythe insert from the Broken Token, and we had a really good turnout with over 50 entries. Yeah, it was really cool. I would argue that it was right at, I think it was like 59, 56, something like that. Nice. Now, we did expect effort from folks to answer the questions of the entry, two from the Broken Token site and two from ours, but there was one. Yeah, I I really couldn't exactly fault them on their answer. And it was, uh, what branch of service is Edward a veteran of? Well, for those regular listeners to the show, they know I'm a Marine from United States Marine Corps. However, <laughs> this response was public relations. <laughs> I can't really fault that, no. can I? So I was like, all yeah, right, okay. fair, all right, fine. <laughs> And apparently the how many steps are there in the Broken Token Assembly Guide was apparently ambiguous. I thought the answer was pretty clear. It shows step one, step two, step three, step four. Boom, done. However, there were a lot of folks that gave some very detailed answers. Like one guy was like, wait, is this a trick question? And I'm like, I I, I, no. (laughs) However, I'm going to give credit to all those who who took the effort, even if they didn't answer four. I mean, there was 16, there was 21. I think one person said like 42. (laughs) I think they went to the specific side. They probably did, yeah. And and that's on me. So we're going to give everybody credit for that. All right. However... There's one of y'all out there who answered army for what branch of service I served in. (laughs) You're banned. (laughs) Period. You are banned for life. (laughs) Army. What kind of shit is that? Army? Really? (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding about the band for this contest, but for subsequent (laughs) ones, yeah, you're in. All right. 
So 56 entries, all right? And random.org spit out number 15. Mm-hmm. So the winner, Phoebe from Australia. Congrats, Phoebe. We'll get your contact info sent over to the Broken Token, and we hope that you're as good at building inserts as you are at typing. <laughs> yes. So congrats, Phoebe. So since it's been so long since we've done one of these briefings, we realize we haven't done one since the January briefing. Yeah, oops. My bad. Well, our bad. Yeah. Yeah, our bad. <laughs> we've had, you know, a couple of iTunes reviews that we wanted to give some props to. Yeah, so from the U.S., Inco64, Ben Kenobi1, Board Gamer 1001 Odds Bodkins, Nathan Spillman, Jay Hayward, and Dice Specs. And from our international listeners, Halden from Canada, A. A. <laughs> Beat me to it. Chris A. Smith from Canada, A. A. Sandy Pebble from Hong Kong, and Josie LPO from the UK. Thanks, everybody. Cheerio. Now I feel bad because we didn't do anything for Hong Kong. Um, yeah, we'll just move on. All yeah, right. I thank- don't know what to say. Yeah, seriously. Thanks, everybody. The- Y'all have some noodles for me. How about that? The reviews really do make a huge difference as far as the just the visibility mm-hmm. of the show to others, so we really genuinely appreciate it. And if you have it and you're willing, then we would greatly appreciate you guys leaving us a review over on iTunes or any other area that you or that you can give a review for mm-hmm. the show. Hopefully positive. If not, if not then, that's fine too. Then keep your thoughts to yourself. No. Right. <laughs> Tell us so we can fix it. All right. So since it has been so long since we've done a briefing episode, Mm -hmm. the Acquired's kind of extensive. It's not massive, but there's there's a number of stuff here. All right, I'm gonna I'm just gonna sit back and drink my coffee while you while you read. All right. So first off, four prototypes have walked in the door. Both of the brasses, so Brass Lancashire and Brass Birmingham, both we we talked about. We've already done playthroughs of. Petricor, whose Kickstarter just ended and was a huge success. That was awesome. I'm really happy for happy for uh, David Turtsy, who's a friend of ours, and also for Kevin over at Ape Games. I was I'm just happy to see that it went well. Plus, it's the definition of Petricor is the smell after rain. You're a cloud in the game. Yeah, it's awesome. And your job is to you know attract other or acquire other clouds and i even yesterday because it, it's been raining nonstop here just about and yesterday i walked into work and it smelled like rain and i thought petrichor so yeah uh definitely excited to get that to the table some more we also got moa which is the latest from martin wallace we're going to be doing a playthrough live of that next week so if that's something that interests you check it out and because we didn't record last night and recording today, I can officially say that we have Card City XL prototype from Album Viard. So technically five prototypes have made it in. So excited about that. And I'm pretty sure that Card City XL is now on Kickstarter. I think so. Obviously, we haven't played it because it got here about two hours ago. But we will hopefully in the next uh, week or two before the Kickstarter ends to give some initial thoughts. Mm-hmm. Now, non prototype games the walled city from mercury games i totally entirely blame the folks talking it up over on the heavy cardboard patron slack channel guys were like yeah this is really a an unheralded gem and i was like it was 20 bucks on amazon okay so i grabbed it Hmm. high frontier 3.0 or third edition that is one intimidating yet beautiful board 
I cannot wait to have that one taught to me. Yes. At HeavyCon. So I that is the game that I'm most excited to get to the table. I last I saw, I think we're gonna have four or five simultaneous games going of High Frontier. Wow. Which I just want pictures yes. of that. I will be wandering taking pictures because I'm I, that's a game that I'm very intimidated by. I want to oh, learn me it. Too. I, but it, yeah, so I will just tag team with you for a little bit. Who's teaching? Is it German Mike or Jeroen? I think Jeroen okay. and German Mike. Like and I think there are some other, there's a number of folks that have volunteered to cool. teach that. It's one that I just don't want to learn from the rule book. No. Now, it's one thing to be taught it and then go back through the rule book. Yeah, because at least you have you a frame of it. reference, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. And so. how weird is it that we're like, yeah, Jeroen's going to teach High Frontier, like, it's no big deal. It's just your own. As you do. You know, as you do. What? Also got a copy of Anachrony in, so look for a review of that in the next couple months to give our take from the heavy gamer's perspective. I know the fellas over on Punching Cardboard just did their review of it, and I'm actually up to the beginning of their review. I haven't heard it yet, and I'm debating whether or not to listen to it. Yeah, that's an interesting question, whether were you, whether you should or not. I think I'm actually going to refrain from listening to their review because I don't want it to... It might cloud your judgment exactly. one way or the so other. So I'm going to wait. So normally it's one of the, as soon as it drops, I go and listen to it. But this time I'm not. So Jim, Eric, I'm sure it's great, but it's going to have to wait until after I play Anachrony a couple <laughs> times before I listen. Some people said it wasn't worth it. I'm a huge sucker when it comes to games that I am a really big fan of that have collector's editions of. So I bet. Twilight Struggle Collector's Edition is now sitting underneath the fireplace in the basement. It's very beautiful, too. and looks good down there. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to doing a live stream of the Collector's yeah. Edition of you and I playing that game. I think that would be a lot of fun. But we want to wait until the BoardGameTables.com mm-hmm. table shows up. We actually have card holders so that we can actually show yeah. the cards via the cameras and everything. And we think that would be the best way to yeah. present it. We'll just wait. Looking forward to that. Earlier, I mentioned uh, when I was talking about uh, Game Surplus that they got in 1754 the Conquest, the French and Indian War from Academy Games. I'm really looking forward to breaking this out with you because I've heard that the the Birth of America series is actually just great as far as like a bridge into Fantastic. war games. Fantastic. So I don't know how you feel about French and Indian War time frame. You know, you're, you're talking... You know, before the the American Revolution. Eh, but hey, if it's if it's like a, a stair step into war games, then absolutely I'll play it. Cool. I'm looking forward to that. Really looking forward to that, actually. We got Yokohama Deluxe from Tasty Minstrel Games. We've played the original. We have not played this version right. yet, but it sure does look pretty. <laughs> the King's Will from ADC Blackfire. Now this you get to talk about. <laughs> okay. Um, Uli actually asked me to review the rule book for the game and all Uli of the art from, Uli from ADC Blackfire and Spielworks. Right. Uli Blenemann. And um, so I did that. And as a thank you, they sent us a copy of the game. So that was nice. No, that was really cool. I yeah. thought that was really a nice touch. So thanks for that. I, I'll be honest, not really in my wheel, our wheelhouse for that matter, but it, we'll get it to the table and Absolutely. check it out. Hey, right? we got to, cause you know, I, I, I helped with the rules. So, so if the rules are junk, it's all my fault. <laughs> so you can blame me if you play the king's will and you can't understand what to do. You can blame me. All right. Actually, I may have you teach me that one. Yeah, right. No, I'm serious. I don't know it. 
well, you can read your rules, can't well, you? Well, yeah, there's reading the rules and then, you know, actually retaining them because this is like a year ago. So, sorry. I don't, I, I don't teach games. You haven't Stop looking at me like that. I don't teach games. Stop it. You haven't? No. You need to. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. No. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> no. Minions of the Meadow, the expansion for March of the Ants. Now, we've played March of the Ants, I think, twice so far. And we all, everybody that's played it said, it's fine. Yeah. You know? But I was thinking maybe the expansion make it better. So we're going to give that a try and okay. see if if so. If not, then we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. Last but not least, Race for the Galaxy showed up from listener and patron Brad. Thanks nice. a lot. So we haven't played it in forever. And I'm really curious to see... If you like it more now. Me too, because it the last time we played it, I could not follow the iconography at all. And I mean, it's a huge barrier to entry mm-hmm. for, I mean, this is two, two and a half, maybe even three this years ago. This was a long time ago, yeah. So I'm definitely excited to try it again to see if I can. I don't think I'll have a problem now. I don't either. But yeah. Cool. And I'm curious to use that as a comparison of this versus Roll for the mm-hmm. Galaxy and see if you still enjoy in your head, you sa- or at least previously you had said that you enjoy Roll for the Galaxy much more. But I wonder if this changes Yeah, that. me too. We shall see. And obviously we've gotten a ton of giveaway games for HeavyCon, so I won't, I won't go off on that yet. Next episode, you guys may have to indulge, though. <laughs> All right, so with that gigantic list, there can't be anything that you're still hunting, right? Well... Oh my gosh, he actually turned the page, guys. Like, there's, there's a lot. Actually, no. There's nothing that I'm actively hunting. Now, there, there are a few games that I'm anticipating, be, but these are already sunk costs because we've paid for them. They just don't show up for a number of months, <laughs> i.e. Kickstarters. Th- there is a copious amount of Kickstarters that we have backed. Oh, really? Yeah, there is. I mean, I mentioned Petrichor earlier, but Gloomhaven, we backed it. There are enough heavy gamers out there that have spoken well about it that I'm legitimately curious to check it out. I really, really am. I'm looking forward to trying this one out. Are you at all? Honestly, I know nothing about it other than I saw it, the box at Jim's house and it's enormous. So you really, I now when people ask about, oh, what are you anticipating? You truly do not, you no. just, whatever shows up, yes. tell me about the game. Yep, I that does not interest me at all. Which is so foreign to me. I would much rather play with stickers and put them in my planner than research games. That just that does not interest me at all. I will play them happily and learn them happily, but I do not want to find out about them at all. That's so bizarre to me. I mean, I know this, but still hearing it every time when, when <laughs> we talk about this, it's just mind-blowing, which there's a part of me that's really jealous of that from you for the fact that you can be surprised about oh, games. Yeah. You are constantly surprised yeah, about games. Every time. Wow. What that must be like. <laughs> You're surprised about them when you read about them. I guess when I first hear about them, but right. usually it's so far in advance of them actually coming out to where it's just the surprise is gone. I'm right. like, oh yeah, that's cool. Moving on. Next right. one. And it's just, there's a little bit of like, kid-like wonder that you get and mm-hmm. joy out of this that I don't get. So I am a little bit jealous of Aww. that. I'm, ha- I'm genuinely happy for you because, man, that's got to be cool. It really is. Like, wow. wow, what is this? What? You know, that's really cool. All right. So 
Gloomhaven. Then there's Hannibal Rome versus Carthage, which I am really excited about. Two-player game about, well, Hannibal from Carthage. I was Carthage. about to say, it, it's got to be about, you know, like... Ancient Rome. Or, well, it's Rome versus Carthage. Well, no, so. I was going to be a smartass and be like, oh, it's got to be about like a zoo or or something in, in like like future times. Sarcasm. I get it. What you did there. I see it. Hashtag sarcasm. So anyway, the new version of Hannibal Rome versus Carthage uh, from Phalanx Games. Thoroughly looking forward to it. Even though we have the original, the, or I, uh, the Valley Games right. edition, mm-hmm. this one has the Hamel car add-on to it. Like not an expansion or it, what? It, it, it's kind of its own animal. Okay. And so I'm really looking for This has been talked about for years and years, like before we were in the hobby. Oh, wow. And, and Hamilcar, I, I, yeah, I'm, I love this time period, everything about it, all these war games like this, super excited about it, looking forward to that. Clans of Caledonia, which has a dynamic market in it. It looks like it's on, you know, the lighter side. So somewhere around medium weight game. But the, the way the market works, supply and demand, just really looks interesting. <laughs> Looking forward to that. BIOS Genesis, along with BIOS Mega Fauna 2. Oh, wow. Looking forward to those, even though BIOS Genesis is more simulation than it is game. I mean, you, oh, it pl- is. you played it. It's cards. <laughs> and lots of dice. It's cards, dice, and your brain oozing out of your ears because yeah. it's an Eklund game. It's it's definitely up there with High Frontier in, in that it's a game I would prefer to be taught as opposed to learn and then yeah. go back through the rule book. So looking forward to those, definitely. But that that's pretty much it. And obviously with con season heating up, Lignum second edition, we're going to be doing a playthrough of. I'm looking forward to that, I think. And Clay's going to get mad at me if I get this wrong, probably. But I think that comes out that uh, at Origins. It's either that or Three Kingdoms Redux comes out at Origins, or maybe they both do. Moral of the story, Lignum's coming soon, and I'm excited to see uh, what they've added on with the expansion. I am too, and Lignum will always have a, a soft place in my heart because that was the episode that I quote-unquote auditioned to be the Heavy Cardboard co-host. Edward and I did a test episode. It was episode my, zero. My episode zero to see if I could actually do this and... I could and shock the crap out of him. And it was so, yeah, Lignum will always have a soft spot for me. It's not that I doubted that you could, but yeah, it is. Yeah, you okay, did. that's true. But it was more, wait, you want to do this? Right. Because, I mean, this is coming from the woman who likes to hide behind me when, when we meet new people. Correct. However, this is, I try to not think about the numbers people that are listening oh it's just you and i exactly Wait, people listen to this exactly so it's just me and you i just edit it and put it up and nobody listens to it right it's nah. fine no so yeah i just i don't think about that part and it's fine <laughs> so what are you looking forward to playing now every time we do this i i actually am going through my list and i'm like nope didn't get to it nope didn't get to it yeah nope, i didn't get to it and honestly, i'm like come on man honestly right now there isn't anything that i'm truly chomping at the bit to play, as you say, I'm so focused on the show and YouTube channel and HeavyCon and everything that it's really just number one, whatever we have time to play. And number two, what do we need to get played for the show? And number three, what needs to be live streamed? That's really all that is in my frame of reference at the moment. Fair, but disappointing. And not disappointed in you, just damn it, time. Time, you know? seriously. Time. So, 
from I still have the same same four plus a little bit more that I'm looking forward to playing. So Fields of Despair, Lamps Are Going Out, Hands in the Sea, and Vinos, and everything else that we have at the house. Yes. <laughs> yeah, There. I, every time I go down to the library, like when I was prepping for this, and I was like, oh, so let me go through and double check the list on what have we acquired mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And I'm like, man, I want to get that to the table. Oh, yep, that one to, oh, that one to, and mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, just everything. Yeah. But unlike you, I'm looking forward to playing all these games. I cannot wait. So we mentioned earlier that we've been playing all of the brass. What else have you been playing? <laughs> all your bra- all, all your brass belong to us. Correct. 1822 remains fantastic. Mm-hmm. This just in, not a surprise. Nope. But yeah, I got that to the table. The auctions in that are just, you know, let me rephrase that. I don't think it's the auctions themselves that are my favorite aspect of 1822. I think my favorite aspect of 1822 and what sets it apart from every other 18xx game that has come before it is the tease of candy. And what I mean by that is there is no other 18xx that teases you with all these awesome things and really gives you so many options that it could lead you down the wrong path That's if you true. choose to take them, but it may also inha- or give you an option for a better path mm-hmm. than which you were on. And I think this is just, I'm not going to say revolutionary, but it definitely has opened up what is possible in an 18xx mm-hmm. game more so than any other that I have played. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what really sets it apart. I just absolutely am in love with that game. And outside, the literally the only downside is if we play that on Saturday, that's, that's what it. we're playing on Saturday. But totally worth it to me. Mm-hmm. Rococo finally got the jewelry yeah, expansion played. What do you think of it? I liked it. it. I don't feel like it added a ton. No, just enough to kind of make it fresh. Yeah, just it, enough. Yep, and it gives you a couple extra things that you can go for mm-hmm. or not, depending yeah, on what you it is just, you're trying to do. You can completely ignore it and be fine. It has some extra cards that it adds, which is a welcome addition mm-hmm. because gives a little bit more replayability, yeah. a little bit more variability, but it, it remains a staple uh, of games that everybody in our group who plays it thoroughly enjoys yep. it. And I, y'all know that, you know, theme shmeem that type thing but i will say that's kind of changing a little bit in that i'm really enjoying games that bring a theme through but i'm not disliking games that aren't as strong in their theme and i like making dresses what (laughs) concordia saw the light of day on the table again i got destroyed (laughs) by everybody else at the table but i really enjoyed that i forgot how much i I enjoyed the the rondell via cards i know it's not but it kind of feels that way uh yeah really really enjoyed getting that one back to the table the climbers so i now have i think 25 or 26 plays of that that is my most played game of all time including fillers i have never once not a single time played with somebody who isn't new one of these times we're going to play with the variant where you can use the ladders to traverse gaps. <laughs> it completely would change the game. Yeah, it would. 
And so that's why I've never played with it because there's always been a new mm-hmm. player. So I'm really looking forward to that. Definitely going to have our copy of that at HeavyCon. Yes. We got Sagrada to the table, Matt's copy. Mm-hmm. And funny story on yeah. this. So one of the Kickstarter, uh, I guess, stretch goals was a was an extra board. And it has a little cave for a Kickstarter on there. And it's beautiful. It's about building stained glass windows, which that's a cool theme, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So it has dice uh, that you roll, and, and it's all about, it's a logic puzzle, essentially. And God bless him. I love Matt, but to his defense, there are five player boards now in in the edition because a fifth one was was added from the Kickstarter. It's still only a four player oh, game though, yeah. so we played it five player. So we just maybe played one or two rounds less. <laughs> that said, everybody seemed to really enjoy, it, and it's just beautiful yeah, to a, look at. It's so beautiful, really pretty. Pax Renaissance has hit the table uh, a, a number of times. Yeah. And getting ready for our review coming up here in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, the more it hits the table, the more it really comes to life mm-hmm. and the way it opens up. And the rules are finally starting to get out of the way. Yeah. I think I've played it four or five times. I can't remember which. And I still fight with the rules a little bit here and there. And in fact, I think we all do. Mm-hmm. But man, I love the pack series. I absolutely love the pack series yeah last monday was my third play i think of it and i'm just now kind of starting to understand what's going on are you enjoying it very much very very much yes what about it anything in particular well it the chaining of the cards that's always one of my favorite things like whenever you do the operations right whenever you do the ops and you can do different you know five or six different things that either gather you a lot of money or get you a lot of you know who knows what like kicking butt around the table but um it's i i want i still want to play it a lot more because i feel like once i can finally get past the rules and finally get past not really understanding what other people are doing around the table then that's really when it's going to shine for me i think that's exactly the case that the rule you this is one of those games to where the getting it is going to be multiple plays of the game yeah and I think this is the hardest version of the pack series, but not necessarily, th- I don't mean that in a bad way. I think arguably it's the best of the series, still fighting my way through it a little bit. But it's just the way the theme absolutely comes through mm-hmm. in the game and how that really drives the game as well. And you can tell the story of the intrigue that is going on within the game and the way the three different religions are fighting and out as well as the the characters and the people of the time and the way things play out it feels like that time it feels like uh the borgias kind of that yeah, type yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the way that show kind of like wow it's really backstabby well yeah this just in that kind of was mm-hmm. the way it was and and this game it has that feel to it and it's just Every time we play it, no matter how tired from work I am, I'm like, man, this is really yeah. good. I yeah. mean, really good. Yeah. And it can play quick. Depending on player count, it can play in under an hour, which is shocking sometimes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just thoroughly enjoying that. And anxious to 
to get it back to the table and and glad it's the game of the month for Mondays. Really yes. excited about that. Me too. You mentioned the brass games, mm-hmm. both Lancashire as well as Birmingham, which that's our game of the month for Friday. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people excited about those. And yeah, we have now essentially three copies of it here in the house since we have the two prototypes. Yep. So let people choose which version they want to play and we'll bust that out on mm-hmm. Fridays. And infamous traffic keeps hitting the table, which if y'all listened to last episode with my interview with Cole, it just listening to that interview just made me want to play it again and, and play it some more. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, there's something about opaque games that just really I enjoy the struggle that the internal struggle that I have of understanding what it is that the game is trying to tell me. And I, I, I really, I crave that. And that's why a lot of the simpler games, I don't find as much enjoyment in as I used to. So I, I'm really enjoying these, these opaque games. Cool. The problem for me with opaque games is just like with anybody else, you know, I mean, it's opaque. You don't know what you're doing, but that's the fun of it because once you figure it out, it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that that epiphany that yeah. you have, I think, is a lot of other games don't offer right. that type of, oh, dude, oh, d- yeah. dude, yeah. I, yes, yeah, okay, exactly. I get it, I right. get it, I get it. Right. That feeling right there is is one of those things that I'm learning that I crave more and more. And that's exactly the same with you, yeah. right? Yeah, it's just, it's, I, I I grokked, as you say, an infamous traffic right off the bat, really, but still diving deeper into it and finding more things that I didn't see the first time. I just, yes, those, awesome. the, the feeling of the light coming through the door when, yeah. you, when you break it open. <gasps> exactly. <laughs> So we, as we mentioned in the playthroughs, Three Kingdoms Redux, the second edition, which really is the all, all, almost identical yeah. to the first edition outside of some component upgrades, uh, and the compendium, which for mm-hmm. the cards is really, really nice that uh, Clay included that. Very, very helpful and is going to eliminate a lot of questions regarding, wait, this power, does it trigger before or after, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, that was a really nice addition addition to this edition (laughs) so ave roma eventually we're either going to do a live stream of this or we're going to review it but i gotta say nobody after playing it a couple times everybody was like yeah we're okay with that Mm -hmm. we can we can move on to something else which surprised me a bit but also i understood it because i kind of felt the same way myself after playing it twice during the game of the month in April, mm-hmm. everyone was like, we can play something else if y'all want that night. I'm okay with yeah, that. Yeah. So that, that, that doesn't bode well. No, I don't think it doesn't. <laughs> that said, we've only played it as the base game and it comes with approximately 137,254 <laughs> expansions, Yes. little mini expansions and they're all modular. So I am curious to see if some of those will improve the gameplay yeah. and make it a little bit more inspiring. Yeah, that'd be cool. Key to the City London has gotten uh, the, to the table a number of times from requests from different folks in the group. And we played an epic three-hour version of this that it really wasn't. It was about an hour and a half with about an hour and a half of bullshitting in there. <laughs> 
with Dan, Dr. Rachel, and and others. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with it. But I will say, so some people were asking, Keyflower and Key to the City London, is there room for both in a collection? What do you think? I think absolutely, because they're just, they may have, you know, the same kind of mechanisms going on, but they're completely different games. I would make the comparison of how Brass Birmingham is similar to Brass Lancashire to where it's still brass, but it feels different to where this is kind of a simpler version of Keyflower, but there's still enough there to make it worth playing and enjoying. So like an SAT question, like Key to the City London is to Keyflower as as blank, right? As Brass Lancashire is to blank. Or it, you, you can make you can make the argument uh, kind of like an Age of Steam exactly. version map as yep. opposed to the base Age of Steam. So it's definitely lighter and shorter mm-hmm. than Keyflower, but yeah, I'm 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 glad we have a copy of yeah, it. Yeah, me too. It's a good game. Two other oldies here, Zulkin, which I've yet to play the expansion on this, but every time it comes back to the table, I'm like, yeah, I really enjoy this. Mm-hmm. I love that stress that the game puts on you that you must either place workers on the wheels or remove them you cannot do both and you cannot do neither so Mm -hmm. sorry plan better so i'm looking forward to playing the expansion though i'm trying that we've had it for a while and i played it once but that was years ago and i don't remember exactly what it changed or anything like that so it'll be wait for it a surprise for you what and last but not least urbanization So this is an older Queen game. I think it was on Kickstarter way back. I want to say like 2013, maybe. Way back. Like that was so long ago. (laughs) But for, you know, board game speak, that's... that's, Eons. Yeah, that's archaic at this point. Got it to the table. And got to say, really enjoyed it. We played it four players. And two of the... Three of the other players were all new. And... Two of them ordered the game as soon as the game ended. Well, actually, didn't Dave order it while you were playing? Yeah, I I was going to actually give him the, you know, make him sound better like he didn't order it in the middle of the game. (laughs) But yeah, he did. That's true. So yeah, hopefully uh, we can get that to the table again here soon. Yeah, I missed out on that one. So yeah, definitely. I would like that a lot. That's it. That's it for what we've been playing. Okay, there's a bunch of other little ones, but those were kind of the highlights. Yes, yeah, definitely. And um, I have not played anything that you didn't list. Ask the elephant, huh? It's been a while. A little bit. (laughs) Oops. Yeah, so some of these questions are from back in uh, December and Mm -hmm. January. Mm -hmm. You will actually know that because... They're Christmas related, yeah. <laughs> but we wanted to catch everything up. So after this, we should be 100% caught up and hopefully we can do this, say, every month, every two months yeah, going forward. Sounds right? good to me. All right. So the first question is from Jay. What would you say are the best fillers on the market for people who like heavy games? I have five. Go for it. Okay. Trick of the Rails, New Hemet, Jiraku, Starving Artists, North American Railways. Wow. Those are really good. Thanks. Now, I took it as... On the market, meaning available. So I omitted the climbers. I omitted Noya oh, Hyman okay. and stuff like that. Well, Jiraku's getting reprinted. That's what made me think of it. Good call. I, yeah, I think that's actually a really, really clever one. A Thanks. trick-taking meets area majority. Right. So I, I, good call. I didn't think of that one. Thank you. I had Arboretum. Oh, yeah. SNCF or Paris Connection. Mm-hmm. 
Trick of the Rails, Doc Mess. Mm. And then there are two others that are really pushing what you could call a filler. I had 13 days in high treason. Okay. So yeah. the way I, we think of filler is anything in which you would not specifically go to a game day to play. Mm-hmm. And I think you could do that for 13 days in high treason. So I think yeah. that's, but I just wanted a, an excuse to mention those in this. So that's how I justified yeah, it. That's fair. All right. Next one is from John. Talk to us about the coin system. You mentioned you'd cooled on it and hadn't explained why. So I'm going to go ahead and just kind of cut this off a little bit. And I want to table this until post HeavyCon and then revisit it since it's been a while since I've played a coin, to be honest with you. And I I, I want to be able to go a little bit more in depth, both on the coin system as well as war games in general. So it's really a non-answer answer. So this will be the first question that we address the next time we do the Ask the Elephant. You have my word, John. All right. David asks, what do you think of adding a second heavy card uh, heavy cardboard award for print reprint game of the year? Obviously, you'd have to establish parameters for how long a game has to be out of print to qualify. But if there was a year to ever establish this award... 2016 is going to be it. It would allow you to acknowledge, you know, older game contributions to the hobby. Because this year alone, you have Vinos, Indonesia, Great Zimbabwe, Princes of the Renaissance, 1844, 1854, 1846 all come to mind. And I think all of those are totally valid. Yes. And I can totally see this. But then there's the question of where do you draw the line? I don't want a whole bunch, 10 different exactly. categories. I don't want the GEA to become a ton of awards. I feel like it should be the one and that's it. I agree. And it's just, it's a slippery slope. And all those that that he mentioned, they're truly amazing. Mm-hmm. Some of them arguably Hall of Fame games. Yeah. So I would agree that it'd be a good time to do it. And we'll take it under consideration. And I think when we actually do the award ceremony uh, kind of at uh heavy con as well as an essen mm-hmm. type thing we're going to give props to those games and mention hey these games were all ineligible right. because they're reprints but we did want to mention them because well let's face it they're kick-ass games right that said yeah we're not gonna do extra awards though no chris asks i know it's not exactly in your purview but for curiosity's sake what are two or three medium light to medium weight euros that you two rate highly what is it about them that you like in the kicker? Would Tony ever play one with you? Well, okay, hold on. It's not the main focus of the show, but there are a plethora Hefe. of midweight games that are that we're huge proponents of and, and that we've reviewed yeah. on the show. Rococo, mm-hmm. St. Petersburg, mm-hmm. Castles of Burgundy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'd recommend, honestly, going and listen to our reviews of those. And as for Tony, he plays two types of games. He plays 18xx games and family weight games. Yep. So, yeah, we could actually get him to play all of those, yep. I think, easily. I actually also mentioned Rococo and also Grand Austria Hotel. Oh, good call. Yeah, yep. that that's really good, especially at two players. Yep. All right, Marco asks, I see no question limit, so we'll ask a few. <laughs> I started out of order in the episodes and finished the one concerning auctions about a month ago. I know you covered a lot of games, but there was one I thought stood out for not being on the list, Cyclades. 
Is that how you say it? It's either that or Cyclades. I, I, I've heard it pronounced both sure. ways, so go with it. Has anyone on the podcast, past or present, played? If yes, do you know if this is the only game with that auction mechanic? If no, why not? I have not played it. I have it, a couple of times, actually, but it's been a couple of years. I remember enjoying it, but not being wowed about it. Okay. But again, it's been a while. Now, if he's talking the auction mechanic to where when somebody outbids you, you get bumped from that track and the, and you have to go bid on something else. Hmm. I've seen that a couple of times. And the one that came to mind was in 20th Century, which is kind of a city building game or a town building game. Uh, I, I couldn't think of any others, but I'm sure anybody listening is going to let us know other ones. So, yeah, if, if you're listening to this, come post in the guild and, yeah, let and, us know. and help him out with that. Yeah, now, what are the four heavy games that every heavy gamer should try a few times? Not necessarily your top four in the rankings. Okay. My four, I have Agricola, Antiquity, 1830, and Age of Steam. Wow. So so why those in particular, though? Agricola, you have to play Misery Farm. You just have to. <laughs> I mean, it is arguably the quintessential worker Correct. placement game. Antiquity is the just gorgeous triumph that is Antiquity by Splatterspellin. I, I would argue about gorgeous, but but okay, fair well, enough. Well, how about gorgeous in gameplay? How about that? Ah, that, yeah. I, that I would buy. All right. 1830, because... Everybody, it's 1830. Everybody needs to play an 18xx game. I, I would agree with the latter part. Well, 1830 is a very easy to obtain, well-known 18xx game. So is, so is 1846. I understand that. <laughs> but one one or the other, sure. Fine. All right, fair enough. And Age of Steam, just, it's Age of Steam. Yeah, I, I agree. So mine here, though, I hate making broad generalities like, or... Because there is no such thing as a one-size-fits-all game, right? No, no. And, I mean, there are going to be people that here in 18xx, I have no interest in that. You might. And you don't know. I agree with you, but I, I hate the idea of of just, oh, you need to play these. You really don't. But okay, I'll, answer, I'll shut up and answer the question. Age of Steam, because it's awesome. Um, Hall of Fame game has route building, pick up, and deliver. Mm-hmm. Dominant species, I mean, that is the king of area control. Plus, I mean, it's dominant species. <laughs> Lahav, worker placement, and it's really simple mechanically. Mm-hmm. You have two choices yep. on your turn, but as you play it more and more, there's deceptive depth there. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I'll take, because I know some people aren't going to like the pressure of Agricola. I mean, I, I gave this a lot of thought. And last but not least, it came down to. Either in 18xx or brass because of the fact that they both have shared incentives Mm -hmm. in it. And I decided to go with brass because of that reason that there are going to be some people that just have zero interest in trying an 18xx game. But I got to say, my God, have I left out some monsters. All of the Golden Elephant Award winners, didn't mention, no splatters, 18xx, not to mention card-driven games. I, I took a couple of those for you. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... And Through the Ages isn't on there either. Our number one game of all time. But I don't think it's for everyone. Nope. And so that made it really, really hard, I mm-hmm. thought. All right, Dan, Rex, and everybody else that's griping at me and us about war games. It's 100% my fault. But honestly, it all comes down to time. 
because of the leave of absence that I talked about earlier in the show, I have no excuse. You will hear a number of reviews and us talking more war games in June and July. You have my word. And we'll put that to bed. All right. Well, we'll put it to bed until then, and then hopefully put it to bed going forward. All right. Ben asks, it's winter. Yep. Sorry about that, Ben. And there's a better, uh, and, and there is little better than snuggling into a sofa, hot drink in hand, in front of a fire, and a few hounds or Asher mm-hmm. sprawled in front of you. Do you have a favorite game that fills that, that feel, that niche, rewarding, snug, low effort, high emotional gain? Castles of Burgundy. That's the exact one that I put as well. That's just comfort food. That, and that's exactly why. It's just, it's it's a game that you and I have played a lot. Mm-hmm. It plays well two player. Mm-hmm. You don't have to engage your brain a nope. lot if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's that warm, comfy hoodie that yeah. you can put on. It really is. Yep. It truly is. All right. Well, I know it's not the most exciting, the fact that we have the same answer. Sorry. But, well, oh, well. All right. <laughs> All right. Quantum Jack asks, are you ever going to cover older, really complicated games like Magic Realm? Uh, no. Also to echo player <laughs> also to echo prior sentiments, what about full on war games like ASL, Third Reich, Golf Strike, Case Blue? I know that you want Case Blue just you have Case Blue. I, I don't anymore. I've I've moved past that because Case Blue for the longest time was a grail, but it has like thirty five hundred chits. I realize it's just it would never happen. So no, I don't want it anymore. Oh wow, okay. But, I, w- I was not given that news flash. I did not know that. I sorry, you were sleeping. Okay. That's fair. All right. So since you brought up specifics, I'll tackle them one at a time. Magic Realm, flat out, no. Not in its current form. It's just it. I don't see it as worth the time investment for what it's going to offer and for just how long it would take to learn the game. So flat out, no. Now, I know there was rumor a while back about it getting re-implemented, this and that. If it does, we'll consider it at that point. But as is, no way. As for Monster War games, unlike any time, or I should say it's unlikely any time in the foreseeable future. Again, time is the enemy here. However, I could definitely see me inviting some that really do enjoy those Monster War games on to kind of sit for an interview and talk about why do they like them. And then That'd be go, interesting. And then go into a couple of specific titles and, and not like super grognard digging in as far as oh yeah the you know this unit and you know the the super specifics of that specific title but more overarching stuff about the titles i think that would make for interesting discussion definitely i agree with that for sure Um, but i don't see us ever reviewing those or if not ever not anytime soon yeah so the monsters it's just I do still want to go to MonsterCon at some point, which is ConSim World Expo down in Phoenix. But again, once I'm doing this full time, then maybe that's something that can happen. But as it is right now, just not in the cards. Andrew asks, what game were you the most happy to ever get into your collection? So you first. Well, I'm not the buyer, so I'm not a good one to answer. Yeah, but you got to have something. I really like I really tried to come up with something. I couldn't I couldn't really think of anything and you're going to tell me something and I'm going to be like, "Uh, no, yeah. not really." No, cuz this I think was the hardest question that we got asked out of all of mm-hmm. these. Because we went pretty heavy when we first got into the hobby. I mean, we acquired 
almost 500 games in our first year. So almost all of them used via, you know, BGG auctions, eBay, etc. So kind of happy went away relatively quickly. Plus having the show, getting a new game isn't isn't as big of a fist pump moment as it is for a lot of people listening. And I, I don't want that to be conveyed the wrong way. I, I just... It's just like, oh, cool, we got this game. But it's not like, oh, wow. Right, now you know, it's, it's like, not, oh, okay. Yeah, it's like, oh, awesome. Yay. I'm looking forward to that. Right. right, exactly. But I was able to come up with two for two very different reasons. First off, Wildcatters. I read Ben's, or or I think uh, Chally, his, his username on BGG. I read his review, and I just was like, I have to get that game. Now, this is far before the show started. And that was the first time that I ever imported something and something, uh, first time I ever ordered something directly from a publisher. And so getting that interaction with the designer slash publisher, and I forget which one it was, whether it was uh, Rolf or, or Andre, but it was just, it was just cool that I was like, oh, wow, I actually got to talk to him. That's really cool. Uh, so, so that kind of holds a special, mo- you know, uh, part. That's why I never want to get rid of my my copy of right. Wildcatters. Plus, it's a really good game and it looks amazing on the table. So it kind it's of a hits a whole board. lot of whole lot of checkboxes yep. for me. The second one though, I decided to look at it from a show standpoint. And that is something that we talked about earlier this episode as well. And that was Three Kingdoms Redux. Mm-hmm. The fact that that was our first ever review copy. And we were like, wow, they airmailed this from Panda. This is amazing. It was awesome. And it was just, and it just so happens that it's an amazing game to boot. So that was, that was an absolute remarkable moment in the, in the show's life. Yep. So that really kind of stuck with me as well. So th- those are the two that I could come up with as, as monumental, like just made me genuinely happy good john asks can we get a quick overview of your take on different styles of war games uh blocks versus hex tactical strategic operational maybe some suggestions on where to start for those of us coming in from heavy euros and 18xx a top five war games would be nice really hurting for solid tight consistent war game coverage like we bring for 18xx and euros and john i'm going to tell you the same thing i told rex and i told dan it's coming be patient. Next two months, you're going to get a, a handful of these. And I actually, I think a top six, just series of lists for different things, including top, you know, entry level war games yeah. and top, you know, you know, meaty war games, that type thing. Even though I, I am far from an expert on this, I am not nearly as well versed. I I know people who are, so we can hook that up. So those people. So... Just give me give me a little bit of time away from work, and we're going to hook that up. I know that's, again, a non-answer, but I promise it's coming. Om nom 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 nom, 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 nom gamer, nom. or Adam. Do you guys have any medium to heavy titles where the rules are always in your head and require no refreshers? No. Well... Not really. I mean, I learned so many games and I just have so much in my head anyway that I need a refresher on a lot of stuff. But I did come up with one game that I'd never need a refresh for at all that I can just plunk down and play. And that's Downfall of Pompeii. Always. I'd never need to never need a refresh for that game. See, and I do. 
That's funny. That is I, funny. I really do. Like, how do you set up the deck? Okay, how do, wait, can you move one or two? How? Wh- what happens when the first Vesuvius card comes right. out? So I do, but that's cool. Well, I- okay, then let, let me rephrase. I forgot about the deck part, so probably that, but everything else I don't need any help All with. All right, that's cool. I, I didn't, I figured you were just going to throw that question back to me <laughs> because I don't, I don't do rules. I don't, but I just happen to remember those. Uh, I figured you were going to try and list what I have. <laughs> All right. Dominant so, species. Obviously, I could teach that in my sleep. Mm-hmm. And, I think you have, actually. Uh, Age of Steam is another that I feel really comfortable teaching just cold without any kind of refresh. The same could be said for a couple that really kind of surprised me. One older, one new one. Pax Porfiriana. Oh, really? Yeah. That After having played Pax Ren so much, it really cemented everything. And I'm like, wow, yeah, that is simple compared to this. So... That yeah, that's stuck. And terraforming Mars. It's just it's it's actually just a really mechanically simple game. It is. So for some reason those just stuck in my head more than others. All right. All right. Trent asks, are there any themes in heavy games that make them a non starter for you just due to the theme? For example, I was made very uncomfortable by the theme of a distant plane at first. Is there for you? Not really, because zombies aren't normally featured in heavy games. So what is it about zombies? I don't like zombies. <laughs> they freak me out. Yeah, you you won't like. Uh, we watch twenty eight, or I watch twenty eight days nope. later, twenty eight weeks later. Nope. All right. So I uh, yeah, that's a lost cause. Now you did play a just steam zombie apocalypse. No, I did not, sir. Oh, you didn't. Nope. Huh. Interesting. So zombies specifically. Yep. Anything else? Uh, not that comes to mind, but. Yeah, no, no on the zombies. Hmm. Or I like to call them either zombies or zombies to try to help them not seem so scary. All right. Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't go to haunted houses. I've tried. Nope. I've tried. I've tried and failed every single time. <laughs> so for me, all right, get comfy. <laughs> there are exactly zero themes that I would that would ever keep me from playing a game. Zero. There is. Nothing out there that could possibly be made that would keep me from playing a game theme-wise. Now, there may be other reasons for not ever wanting to play a particular game, but no, the theme itself is never going to be the reason. I mean, take colonialism. I mean, it has what I would say is arguably the darkest theme in existence in the hobby. Now, the theme is backed up by the mechanics. I mean, you're an unnamed colonial power in the 17th, 18th century, where you have to exterminate the native population before exploiting the land for its resources. But because of the way it's implemented, I thoroughly enjoy the game. In fact, we did our very first pod blast, Tony and I, about that game. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean I condone any of what it represents, but it does exactly what it feels like it is it intended to do, which is make you contemplate what you're doing and to stop and reflect during and well, after the game. I appreciate that. And dare I say, I welcome that. I appreciate these taboo and really controversial things. I want to explore that aspect of society and of the hobby. I don't mind a game that makes the players uncomfortable and Honestly, I welcome and applaud the designers and publishers, especially who are willing to take the risk to explore, I don't know, I guess dangerous themes like that. So, yeah, no, there's nothing. I mean, 
there's I forget the name of it. I, I I wanted to look this up before we recorded and I forgot. But there is a a game that is all about uh, moving uh, logistics game about moving trains. And it's only at the very end of the game that it's oh, revealed yeah. that you're actually moving trains of the Jews to concentration and death camps. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I mean, I, I realize that that is not a quote unquote game. It's more of an art piece than right. anything. There's only one copy of it in existence. But that's what I'm talking about. That wouldn't stop me from playing the game because it's not that you're promoting or condoning the theme. Right. It's that these things happen and it tends to be historical themes yeah. that really are the are the real bugaboos, I guess, mm-hmm. in this hobby. And I, I think quite the opposite. I think we should encourage that because it's something that should be talked about because anything that gets pushed aside or put under the rug is apt to happen again. Yeah, exactly. I would rather I would much rather that be out in the front and open and where you can play a game about X, Y, or Z instead of shoving it under the rug and being like, oh yeah, that never happens. Yeah, I know. I uh, deal with it head on. It's not, it's not celebrating these things like uh, freedom, the underground railroad. You're right. not playing as the slave catchers. No. Uh, I, I, I feel strongly about this. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I, I think it's something that absolutely needs to be commended. And, and I know they're never going to be, you know, the hot game and they're never going to be the top hundred on BGG. I understand that. But seriously, kudos to those that take the risk that embrace these just tough questions that that they feel need to be asked mm-hmm. and, and the themes that should stay in the consciousness of of people, not just gamers, just people in general. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, soapbox over. I just yeah, that I'm glad Trent asked that because I really do feel strongly about that. All right. Gabriel asks, would you change the mascot of elephant to another animal? No. Nope. Or give different award or different awards, get different heavy animals or dinosaurs. The meatiest games get to be the brontosaurus award. No. <laughs> and your medium game awards could be a buffalo. And I said, I like where your head's at, but no. Yeah. We're pretty attached to Davis yes, at this point. Are. I think we're, as we mentioned, we're, we're pretty well set on just one award right now. Yeah, we're good. Uh, more serious question. What are some good introduction games to make it to take a player from light to medium and medium to heavy and heavy to war games? I think we've touched on this before in, in regards to the pro- progression for gamers. Every person is different. I mean, we we jumped in with Arkham Horror and Dominant Species. Right. That's, that, that's where we got our feet wet. So I think it's a 100% misnomer that all new players or gamers need hand-holding and some sort of step progression. We didn't, and I don't feel like there's anything extraordinary as to how you and I came into this hobby or where we are as gamers. So, But again, for discussion's sake, I always recommend La Havre, Puerto Rico, or Kalis as great entries into heavier titles. Low rules overhead, yet, yet, deep gameplay. Mm -hmm. And the more experience you get with the game, the deeper the game can take you. So it's, I mean, Lahav, you have two options. You move your worker or you take an offer. So at, at, at pure base level, that's all you have to do the entire game. Right. However, as you get more and more experience with the game, you realize there's more and more mm-hmm. and more there. So I think that's, 
there's a reason I trumpet Lahav, and it's getting a reprint, so it's going to be more widely available. As for war games, though, I'm looking forward to checking out, and I mentioned this earlier, the Birth of America series from Academy Games to see if those are solid kind of entry points or jumping off points for war games. As it is, there are some waros in card-driven games and block war games that'd be excellent jumping off points. Seki Gohara, Command and Color series, the Hammer of the Scott series, which is Richard III, Julius Caesar, all of those. And if you're into fantasy themes, there's... Um, Wizard Kings. Good call. Maneuver, or as we like to call Maneuver. it, that. Or Warriors of God. All be awesome getting your feet wet choices. And even a couple that I mentioned earlier is Filler, 13 Days, and High Treason are both card-driven games. So I think those would be awesome introductions to CDGs. Yeah, so I kind of went like the gamut. So light to medium, I would say you could introduce Castles of Burgundy or 13 Days to get them from light into medium. Okay. Then from medium into heavy, Lahav and Agricola. Then after that, as for getting into war games, I would propose Maria. Oh, good call. And or Columbia Block War Games, the Julius Caesar, yep, Hammer of yep. the Scots, blah, blah, blah. So that's that's what I think. No, I, th- I think that's good. I, I do wonder about the Castles of Burgundy being light. I mean, yes, for us, I understand Well, no, that. like, th- that's what we've taught a few people. Whenever we have them over, we know that's, that they play games. It's, it's very easy to wrap your brain around it. That's fair, actually. You bring up a good point. So I, I stand corrected. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Martin asks, imagine you're a mad DNA splicer. Okay. Done. You've got some time on your hands in the lab. What two games would you merge slash splice into a new game that would contain the best of both of those games while removing the bad stuff? I really struggled with this. Yeah, I did too. And I honestly didn't even answer it. I have no idea. I was thinking, well, we could take like a Civ game and a war game, but I'm like through the ages. What would it take out? No, there's no, there is no bad. Stop that. There is no bad in there. <laughs> and I was thinking, what about with Dominant Species? Where's the bad? I embrace the chaos that that game brings. And I was like, 18xx, what, that it takes forever to play on some of them? Is that really bad? I don't know that it is. So I didn't have a really good answer. Mm -hmm. I failed. It's a great question, but we don't know. So, okay. So we'll ask the listeners. Yeah. Why don't you guys, hey, we'll make this a contest. Why don't you shoot us a email, contest at heavycardboard.com. And tell us what two games and why. And don't give us like a three-word answer. No, tell us why. Yeah, g- g- give us the lowdown on what two games would you merge or you know splice into to make like the super amazing game. What are they? And yeah, we'll go from there. Title it Spliced DNA for the, ty- for the subject of the email. <laughs> and how about we give away a copy of Paris Connection and one of the transcontinental Heavy cardboard maps. There you go. From Tony Fryer. Yes, from Mr. Anthony Fryer. Yes. Says on the board. So, contest at heavycardboard.com. Splice DNA as the subject and tell us what two games and why and give us a good answer. We're going to be very subjective. Yeah, in this the is one not going to be a random.org type nope, thing. This is nope. going to be a thing where we read them. Yep. So, you have two weeks to do it. All right. So, we will announce this in the contest that's uh, called out during or I guess the episode that's released during HeavyCon. Mm-hmm. We'll handle it there. Yeah. Cool. Moving on. All right. 
Eric asks, let's put the games aside for a moment and get a little more personal. If both of you could change careers or day jobs right now, what job field would it be? And I I think we can imagine. I think we can both easily say that we both love to be content creators full time. That or the GM for the Cincinnati Reds. I still would. No, I still would. So you would give up medical billing to create content. Yeah. I that legitimately surprises me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In a heartbeat. Really? Yeah. Because you actually love your job. As yeah, but to I me. love this more. Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. There's that. All right. <laughs> moving on. Next Next part. I live in the northeast part of the country and have never been out to the Midwest. Besides the Broncos and the living legend that is John Elway, what is the best part or favorite part of living in Denver, Colorado? The beautiful mountains almost always being in view is my favorite and being so inc- incredibly close to all different kinds of, you know, beautiful parks and lakes and just, ugh, it's wonderful. Other than the people, because again, we're kind of lucky in our game group. Let's face it, right? So outside the people, yeah, it's it's the fact that you're. We live forty minutes from Red Rocks Amphitheater, which is arguably the greatest outdoor venue on the planet to watch uh, a concert. You have the mountains. You have what's up in the mountains, whether it's mountain biking, skiing, snowboarding, all that. You have what's on the other side of the mountains, which is. Uh, Grand Mesa, which is just, just the scenery is unbelievable. And the wildlife around here is fantastic. It's just that, and it's, it's a big city, but it doesn't feel, it's not like LA or New York. It doesn't feel like it though. And where we live is about 25 minutes from downtown, but we still feel like we're out in, you know, BFE. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's a really great place to live as long as you bought a house in 2012, like we did. Yeah. (laughs) Because there's no way we could afford it now. Home prices are brutal here. I mean, they're not Seattle, California bad, but they're getting up there. Yeah. If So move here. If you're listening and you like heavy games and you're good people, move here. (laughs) All right. Ben asks, so these are all 2016 questions. What games did you play most this year? If this game isn't your favorite, then how did it end up getting played so often? So for me, my number one most played game in 2016 was, in all its forms, Age of Steam. Same here. Next was Terraforming Mars for me. How about yeah, I think you? that was for me too. Wow, really? Yeah, I think so. I can't remember yeah, exactly. I guess it's not terribly surprising given that we play a no. lot of games together. Yeah. But uh, the reason for that is because we reviewed it, it became kind of the game du jour yeah. uh, for a while. And so a lot of people wanted us to teach it to them mm-hmm. and play it. And so we just played the hell out of that. Yeah. Was there a game you played frequently this year that you were just done with? I'm kind of done with Panthelos for a while, man. You know, and I that it was Panthelos for me. And there was one other, but I was like, I've gotten close, but it, it was mostly, yeah, I, I think we've played that. Eight nine times, yeah, I'm, I'm and done we played it in bit. short succession, and yeah. that's the death knell. Yeah, yeah, and that's why we one of the reasons we could never design a game because some of these game designers play their game 100, 150 times, and I'm like, how? By like the by like the 15th or 20th time, you and I would be like, yeah, no, this sucks. Let's no, forget it, and just done. throw it in the trash, mm-hmm. right? I yeah, God bless those that can, because <laughs> yeah. or else we wouldn't have games to play. <laughs> and this year's Dark Horse game. So for Dark Horse, for me... Forged in Steel? Yeah, it had to be because that came out of nowhere. Yeah. Now, Millennium Blades, I was pretty interested in to begin with, but I wasn't like, wow, this is going to be amazing. I was just like, huh, Mm -hmm. that sounds interesting. I'm intrigued. Right. 
Whereas Fortune Steel, I was like, eh, whatever, cool, all right, great. I, I want hands in the sea. Mm-hmm. Oh my, right. Fortune Steel, how you doing? Exactly. And biggest disappointment. Sorry, Adam. Lorenzo Il Magnifico. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, honestly, it couldn't be Feast for Odin for the simple fact that it ended up being exactly what I anticipated right. it would be. Right, yeah. So you can't, yeah. Can't be disappointed in something you probably are going to already be disappointed in. Right. Scott asks, does the length of an 18xx game somehow figure into the enjoyment you get from them? Often, I hear that this 18xx game is short, and seconds later, that it isn't as good as this 18xx, which happens to take six hours to play. Does this feel like there's a joy-length ratio in 18xx games? Not for me. So, completely... I enjoy 1857 just as much as I enjoy 1822. That's... Okay, so... Let's go to extremes. So you have something like 18OE, right? Mm-hmm. Which the whole thing could take like an ungodly 16 hours right. or so. And the 1857, which two-hour game mm-hmm. because somebody's going bankrupt. I do think that there is a story to tell that each game has and each story is different. So I don't know necessarily that there is a absolute direct correlation mm-hmm. between the two. 1857 has but a handful of questions to ask in the game that can be answered in two hours. 1822 is going to take six hours to yeah. play, but it has this progression of questions that you're trying to answer and this progression of just different decision points that the decision points don't become moot. They don't become non-decisions so i just feel like it's an evolution of this decision tree that you started Mm -hmm. however many hours ago so i don't know it it's just it's appropriate for what the game is so i wouldn't say that there is an enjoyment difference because i love 1857 and i would recommend the hell out of 1857 Mm -hmm. for a maybe not first 18xx but early on the problem is It's near impossible to get because it's a winsome that basically uses 1830 components to make the game. And unfortunately, it's just not widely available. So that's why we don't talk about it much because we're not trying to tease you all with that. But so long story short, I wouldn't say there's really a correlation. Just as long as the game doesn't overstay, most are going to be, well, it, it if you have a favorite between the two sides, being the engineer side or the financier side, then obviously some you're going to enjoy more right, than right. others. But in general, yeah, I I still love them regardless how long they mm-hmm. take. Second question. Is there a game that you feel that has too much take that in that it ruins your enjoyment? Or I'm just am I just talking crazy here? Crazy pants. Well, okay, you were the one that early on was real sensitive to this. Exactly, and I have not anymore. Is there any game in which you felt there's just, okay, no, look, no. As long as it's not arbitrary. No, not now. There really isn't. that I, Nothing that I can think of anyway. So take that wise, no. I, I have not encountered one that I felt that way. However, pure negotiation games really aren't my bag yeah no so diplomacy it's just not my 
it doesn't hold my interest. Mm-hmm. So it's not that it's too much take that or too much stabbing in the back or anything like that. It's just it's just not my bag. So I wanted to throw that out there because I don't know if he had that in mind in particular okay. or not. But yeah, no, I can't think of any that has too much take that. I mean, I love dominant species, right? Yes. Welcome back, Gabriel. <laughs> he says, I think Clay, and I assume he means from Capstone Games, asked this on the board game group on Facebook, quote, so what is your opo- what is your opinion on multiple rule books in a game? I've noticed a trend of late for games to have a rule book, a tutorial book, an appendix book, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I asked, how should a rule book laid out be laid out? Should it include include straight rules or illustrations of setup and game plan? I'm partial to small cheat sheets of game turns and game summary. I assume the reason Clay asked this is because of the multiple uh, rule books in Lignum, right. as well as adding the compendium to mm-hmm. uh, TKR. But I've said that I'm a huge fan of the idea of having one rule book that is a learn the rules from this book, and then another that is strictly a rules reference. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. I don't know that there is a single game out there that has done that. So I, I think it's just not a, I think it's a cost issue. Probably. But I love the concept of that at least. And I, I do feel that every game should have an illustrated setup at the beginning. Yeah. Don't just tell me what it should be. Show me. Because that saves an enormous mm-hmm. amount of time. Because so many things can be misinterpreted or you read it wrong or you read the you miss a word and you're just like, eh. Yep. And I think uh, Rodney Smith from Watch It Played actually had a good little thing about, you know, things that you should do in rule books and shouldn't do. So I would say check that out. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's I love the idea of a learn from this and a reference being two different things because those are two different ways to go about reading a rule book that help depending on the situation. A good learning rule book is not usually going to be any decent at all for reference. Right. Ask Phil Eklund. <laughs> all right, Amanda, uh, I'm going to go take Asher for a walk while you take care of these next ones. Okay. All right. So Trent asked, what is my favorite type of notebook? My favorite type of notebook is a Lurkdurm 1917 dot grid paper. Um, it just has a very good feel to the paper. I love a dot grid instead of lines. Um, it's just easier for me to write in a dot grid. And of course, you know, got to get a purple cover. Duh. Obviously. They're, and um, Or they have new special ones right now for their anniversary that are... What? He's shaking his head at me. That are... Um, metallic which and yeah you know if they were glitter that'd be even better but i'll take i'll take (laughs) Uh, what is my favorite inexpensive pen i have a tie either the papermate ink joy gel or the tool pens that the tool gel pens from office depot oh my gosh those are so awesome and you can get them in like super duper like needle thin point oh my favorite. I gotta say, actually, I'm I'm making notes and crossing things off as we record here and using one of those tools. Yes. And I gotta say, big fan of those. Yeah, they're seriously. really, really nice. And they're nice. tooled, so they're T U L with the little umlaut. Yeah, above. The I would U. highly recommend both of those, the Enjoy gels as well as the tool gels. And what is my favorite inexpensive? My favorite expensive pen. Don't have one yet because I don't have any fountain pens or expensive pens. Um. 
Honestly, I think I'm probably too much of a klutz to have a fountain pen because I just, I envision ink everywhere. Yep. So I don't know. I don't, I think I'll just stay with my gel pens. I think I'm good. <laughs> you could buy me some washi tape instead. How about that? I know that I is coming to heavy con. She I know was just she, talking oh, about she pens. loves she loves fountain pens. That's gonna be a that's gonna be a late night discussion. I have a <laughs> feeling between the two of y'all. And Trent then said, um, "What what about a gaming question too? What sure, was why your, not? What was your biggest gaming surprise? Meaning that your expectations were exceeded the most. It could be a game you thought would be atrocious that was good, or a game that you thought you expected to be meh that was amazing." I have a couple, actually. Oh, all right. Not that I thought that they would be atrocious, but it definitely surprised me how good they were and how much I enjoyed them. I appreciate the positivity as well. Millennium Blades. Yep. And Oddville. Oh, yeah. Good call from What's Your Game. Mm -hmm. You know, when I went to Essen and I was hanging out with uh, Mariano and Veronica from What's Your Game, which, again, it's just the two of those, remember, for What's Your Game, Mariano said that Oddville actually was his all-time favorite game that What's Your Game has published. Not Madeira, not Nippon, not any of those. Oddville. <laughs> and it's I really dig the the artwork. It's simple. It's a fun little tile laying game. Yeah, it's that, pretty. The artwork's really pretty, too, yeah, I enjoy on the it. tiles. Good call on that. And I hate to be the, the voice of re- repetition, Doom. but yeah, Millennium Blades. I mean... It was just an amazingly fun romp. Yeah. When we review it, I'm going to have to figure out a way to quantify why it is that I enjoy it so much. On the flip side, I got to say that I try really hard not to get too excited about any game anymore. Mm-hmm. As I really want to come at it without too much one side or the other so that my excitement or, for lack of a better way to put it, foreboding or any preconceived expectations so those don't influence me too much now that we're serious about the reviews. Not that we weren't in the past, but it's just, I'm really, I try and temper my expectations. There is one game in particular that I'm having a real hard time with. However, we'll we'll see. I've heard some things from some people. I'll leave it at that one way or the other. But Stellar Horizon which is from Andrew Radar, uh, the space exploration game right. that's coming out from Compass Games next year. Really excited about mm-hmm. that game. Mm-hmm. So temper, temper, temper. <laughs> All right. Scott asked, how about your best movie of the worst movies you've watched? And switch out the word movie for game and watched for played. I totally misread this. Oh. <laughs> I mean, 100% just misread it. I I. I could not think of the best worst game like uh, uh for sale maybe because it's got cute houses and like animals. Oh, I think it's a good game. Mm. What about movie? I don't really like movies. Seriously, I don't really watch movies. Yeah, I guess we really don't, do we? No. So I totally misread it. So I'm gonna answer the question that I wanted it to be. I guess. <laughs> so I read it as you know, what's your best movie that you've seen? Right? Oh, gosh, and you totally misread it. I totally it. butchered it. So, ever, I, I, I can't answer that. So, I'm going to go with best movie I've seen recently. And by recently, I mean in the last two years. I know what it is. What? Sicario. It is. Sicario by Dennis Villanueva. Villanueva. Probably Villanueva. All right, go with it. So, Sicario. If you haven't seen it, 
Wow. Really, really good. And okay, so fine. If we're going to say the best movie that ever, it's The Godfather. Well, ever. I mean, wow. Why are you even thinking? It's The Godfather. I mean, it's not a terrible choice. Don't get me wrong. It's an amazing <laughs> choice. Best movie or favorite movie? Either one. Color of Money is probably my favorite movie of all time. All right. I mean, I did use the hustle at pool. Correct. It just, yeah. It just, <laughs> it hit me at just the right time growing up and everything. Or not growing well, Yeah, I guess yeah, I growing, guess growing up. up. Yeah, uh, But it'd be hard to beat The Godfather or The Godfather 2. Yeah, The Godfather and Godfather 2. Or the, it, they, Francis Ford Coppola actually spliced those together and did them that it's The Godfather Epic Edition and it goes in sequential order from, from or like chronological chronological order. order yeah it takes godfather part two and, and and mangles it in with the godfather and it that that is the quintessential best version of the godfather i'd like to see that it's really good it'd be a long movie but it be- is yeah my mom has it it's on three or four vhs tapes like in this gigantic sleeve thing but really? i think really yeah. Is the, is there a way to play those? I don't know, but I think that I think. So you're saying we could like download it somewhere? Yeah, I think so. I think they re-released it. VHS, really? Oh yeah, she got it at a. At well, a, okay, this is your mom. Fair she enough. got it at a used bookstore right. when I was in high school. All right, so sorry, Scott, I can't read. Reading's hard. <laughs> All right, Andrew. Again, we mentioned this is from last year, right? Yeah. Since it's the holidays, tis the season. <laughs> Oops. What's your favorite part of Christmas dinner? What would you? What would have? What would Davis have wanted for Christmas this year? And what are your top three favorite sweet treats? Now I took the sweet treats part as just in general. All right. Okay. So, favorite part of Christmas dinner? Eating the prime rib rib over the sink. I swear she can't see my notes. <laughs> it says eating prime rib rib standing over the sink after I cut them off the roast. Yeah, that's because that's, that's the best part of Christmas dinner. It's 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 pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's chef's prerogative. Although I usually share those, <laughs> but yeah. Um, what would Davis have wanted for Christmas? Um, probably copious amounts of tree bark and maybe a salt lick. <gasps> yes, and maybe a, a if he was a baby elephant. A lap to lay on because they like to snuggle people. They do, and and we could we could hook that oh, up. Yeah, absolutely. As far as sweet treats, number one, hands down, never even a conversation, cheesecake. And I gotta say, as an adult, the single best piece of cheesecake that I have eaten, believe it or not, is at the cafe in the Luxor Hotel in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Oh like a like four inches tall oh no it's closer to six and it's unbelievably good (laughs) i still i would i would fly to vegas for an hour layover just to go get a piece of cheesecake leave mccarran go to luxor get some cute cheesecake get back on the plane (laughs) but it would be the whole cheesecake and not just the slice (laughs) it is that good all right uh the other two are my chocolate chip Cookies mm-hmm. and or chocolate chip and toasted walnut, technically, yes. and a well made, not too sweet German chocolate cake or carrot cake. I don't know which one it would be, but one of those. So that's it for me. So, how about you? Okay, favorite uh, thing of Christmas dinner? Uh, eating the prime rib. <laughs> 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 um, what was the second one? 
It was what would Davis have wanted oh, for Christmas? Um, a lap snuggle in. So I already answered right. that one. And then favorite sweet treats, three of them. Edward's peanut butter cookies. I figured you were going to say that. Tres leches cake. And, oh, man. I don't know. Just maybe just like ice cream of some kind. Like maybe butter pecan or um, Tillamook sea salt caramel. <gasps> it's really good. Tillamook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Philip asks, I'm curious if there was ever a comparison between Feast of Roden or the colon- and the colonists, and he goes on, just wait for the colonist review. I'm sure yeah. we're going to touch on it there. Marson asks, let's talk about war games. I know already only Seki Gohara, which uses cards in battle, and I love it. But I see more war games use dice in battles. What, are you, what about the mechanics as far as dice in war games? As a heavy Euro gamer... I tend to keep away from randomness and locking games, but there are so many beautiful war games, but all of them have dice. I would argue they don't all have dice, but you want to keep them from being scripted simulations. There has to be some amount of variance in the chance of the improbable to happen. But at the same time, I welcome that you can plan ahead and and know that just like in real warfare, no battle plan ever survives survives contact with the enemy so it forces you to adjust as happens in war so there are games out there that don't use dice but i'll be honest plan better i i I mean i i i actually don't mind dice in war games at all for the simple fact that you never know what you never knew what was going to happen exactly i mean you look at just some of the really improbable outcomes that happen in in warfare I'm okay with that because these aren't simulations, number one. And number two, crazy things happen mm-hmm. in war. All right. Brad asked a bunch of questions about the colonists. The review's coming. All right. Giovanni asks, do you prefer Naruto or One Piece as your go-to shonen anime? Naruto, and it's not even close. I mean, I couldn't care less about anybody wanting to become the next Pirate King. Seriously, why does that matter? However, I can completely relate to Naruto in his search for recognition and wanting to become the leader of something. It just so happens in this case, it's his village. Hello, I like the idea of being, you know, the the the, the figurehead of heavy games. I mean, I, I'm driven. I, I see a lot of myself in him. Why would I not? How is this even a question? Wow, Giovanni, don't you even, do you even lift, bro? Come on. <laughs> and did you ever consider designing an 18xx yourself? No. Nope. See earlier design questions. <laughs> And Brian asks, our buddy Brian, having wargamed with you plenty of times, Edward, what is it that makes you prefer strategic level wargames versus tactical level? I don't care much about the minutia of individual units. It's that simple. Uh, I prefer big picture of the conflict and therefore just prefer, prefer strategic, which strategic is the far zoomed out picture. So if it were World War II, it could be like the entire planet or it could be the entire Eastern, the- uh, you know, Eastern Theater mm-hmm. or the Pacific Theater, whereas operational is more, you know, a specific it's operation. This but again, unit. well, no, no, that's tactical. Oh, that's operational. Sorry. So we're so you start way zoomed out, which is strategic, 
zoom in about halfway, that'd be more operational. Okay. And then talk about the specific units or even the specific people within a unit. And that would be tactical. Gotcha. And that doesn't interest me even a tiny bit. Like I've micromanaging, tried. you don't, yeah. Combat commander. I want to like it. I don't. And it's his favorite game. It's just, I'll play it with him because it's his favorite game. Mm-hmm. But tactical just doesn't doesn't do it for me. <laughs> and it's not the randomness it, it, that's in Combat Commander. Again, they're, they're simulated dice rolls by the card draw. I don't mind that at all. It's just the tactical nature that I just don't, I, I can't. You would think I would care more about the individual units and the individual people, but I don't. I want the big picture. And it's. I don't want to say it's a god complex, but to where you're you're really zoomed out and really have your thumb on everything that's going on in a war. But maybe for lack of a better way to put it, maybe okay. there's some of it in there. That's I don't fair. know. Matt asks, this has been on my mind for a while since the Hadnuga blog highlighted 18 Oki, a two-player 18xx in development. 1846 has the experimental two-player variant and the upcoming 18CZ has a two-player variant. Do you think a two-player 18xx can ever be as good of an experience as a multiplayer 18xx game? I would like to think so, but I don't see how. I, I don't either because of just the, the options. Sh- yeah, the, that and the shared incentives. Yeah. It, the, it becomes a zero-sum game in a two-player. And the auctions are such an enormous thing in 18xx games, and two-player auctions are very rarely any good. And I just, I just don't think it would be possible to have a two-player game with the the stock market play with the auctions, with the track plays, with the shared incentives, like Edward said, I just don't see how having a two-player game would be ever be as much fun and as interesting as multiplayer. That's not to say they can't be good games, but you didn't ask that. You right. asked, can it be as good as a multiplayer? And I don't no. think so. No. This is not the the type of system that is built around excelling at it's two not players. Con- it's not conducive for two players. It's more for, you know... Three to four to five to six. There are exceptions. 1860 supposedly plays amazingly well at two players. We haven't done it yet. We're going to, though, Mm -hmm. especially in the next month. Mm -hmm. However, it's still not going to be as good as a three or four player 1860, right? Right. Probably. No. Yeah, we don't know, but probably not. All right. We got one last one. It's a three-parter from Jeff. How do you store your Aegis theme maps? I'm beginning my collection. Some will need to be framed, like my Todd Sanders album moon map that's on the way. But should I begin a binder and fold the maps or print them at the FedEx slash Kinko's here and store them in a tube and then use a piece of of plexi? All right, here's the way we store them. We have three different, I guess, ways we store them. One, if they're folded up and they fit in the boxes, there are some Aegis Theme expansion boxes. I think it was Albin that actually produced yeah, these back in the day. When we bought our collection of eighteen uh, of Aegis Theme maps, it came with three of those. So the overwhelming majority of them are in those. Some of the oversized ones come in big uh, manila envelopes. We keep those in those. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, all of Albin's maps... We actually put them in picture frames. We stack them up about five deep because if you keep them rolled up in those tubes, you're never going to play them. Nope, because you have to see them. You, you, you're going to forget that you have them, number one. They're going to be a pain in the butt to try and get flat. Mm-hmm. And number, or I guess, and lastly, the fact that a piece of plexi doesn't necessarily keep them flat because they're 
they're rolled up they're so, so much. tightly yeah, curled. Yeah. So uh, those are the three ways that we store them. Second question. Have you thought about posting or recording some top five videos of the other folks in your group? I've really enjoyed getting to know through video only. Sweater Mike, Matt, Ash, Brian, and others. I asked in the guild and Brian posted his top five. It was Hero Quest, Hero Quest, Hero. No, I'm Duh, kidding. And, he did. and comment commander at the end. Duh. And I'd love to know the rest. I, I think that'd be awesome. I do so too, yeah. They're all going to be listening. So yeah, Let how us about know, guys. it, y'all? And last but not least, what is the protocol for trying to attend a future HeavyCon? How can I get on the wait list for future years? And is it always the same time? All right. This is the third year for HeavyCon. The first time, we had 18 people here at the house. Mm-hmm. That was a one-time deal. The second HeavyCon was at a hotel, 47 people. This year, it's uh, shaping up to be somewhere between 93 and 97 people, also at a hotel, but a bigger hotel. So it's always over Memorial Day weekend. It's the Thursday through the Sunday night because Monday is a travel day. Usually it's a holiday here in the States, so therefore we figure it's one less day people have to take off of Mm -hmm. work, so that's why we did it on that day. And I would say 95% of the attendees are cool with that. Every year, we've only lost two people that have not come back. So that's encouraging. Tells me we're doing something right, at least. (laughs) And last but not least, how do you get on the wait list and how do you you get an invite? There's actually a wait list on heavycardboard.com. There's a little form that you can fill out to be put on the wait list. However, to get an invitation, we three things. One, you have to fill out that form. Mm -hmm. Number two... Don't be a jerk. Yes. Plain and simple. If you are a miserable person to game with, if you do happen to get an invite, you won't get a subsequent one. There's a reason it's invite only, and it's not to make it exclusive. It's to make sure that the personalities mesh and to control the numbers. Because I don't like the idea of just opening it up and being like, I don't know. How many do we expect? So the third thing is interact with us throughout the year. And it doesn't mean you have to be a patron on Patreon. I mean, that'd be cool, but doesn't have to. There's plenty that aren't that are coming. It just means we want to get to know a little bit about you because we like the intimate nature that the size of our convention is. And we want that to continue. We don't want a whole lot of strangers at this. And by strangers, we may not have met you, but a lot of the people that we have not met, we we kind of know. Right just through interactions throughout the whole year. So that's it. I mean, it's 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 just not hard. It's really not. So, so yeah, hopefully that answers your question. And by yours, I mean everybody's. Yes. Let's not go that long again between Ask the Elephants, eh? Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> so hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Hopefully you got something out of it. And, and yeah, and we didn't lose y'all through yeah. that. I know it's a lot of questions, but we wanted to catch up. So, hey, we're caught up. So we will be back next week with one of the Golden Elephant Award finalist reviews. We'll catch you all then. And seriously, thanks for the support, y'all. Yeah, thanks so it much, It really guys. makes all the work worth it. It really does. It truly, truly does. So we'll talk to you all next week. Bye, guys. Later. Later.